We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm excited to welcome the program the host of Hollywood Game Night, Jane Lynch. Jane, thanks for calling. How are you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But we first have to find out how you're doing. Even though we're starting to get back to the semi-normal, I would not call it new normal. I don't want to. I just say, we'll just say for right now, how have you been holding up with the quarantine and everything? Well, you know, I think a lot of people have it harder than I do because I'm a bit of a homebody and I like any excuse to stay at home. Um, I just make sure that I have some structure in my day. I go out and get my coffee from my favorite place and I take a walk. And that's for sure something I do every day. And I, I read a little bit of a book every day and I try to stay off of Twitter. Because <laughs> <laughs> it could drive you nuts. Social media could drive you nuts. I think the lesson learned in this whole thing is let's try, especially if we are you know, grounded. My kids are all at home, so it's craziness for sure. That tried it, but the time that we have downtime to learn something new, to become better at something so when we're ready to get back to work again, we'll be ready for sure. And you're, so you're just kind of using this as a kind of a staycation, but now you're ready to hopefully get back to normal, get to performing and all those different things. And this is a great idea to bring back, uh, to have Hollywood game night on May 12th at 10 PM Eastern to go ahead and do this in a way that, you know, we're still following the the guidelines of COVID-19, but providing great content and also raising money. So those are two awesome things. Yeah, we're doing it, you know, it's called the social distancing edition, and that's because we're doing it from our own homes. So I'm hosting it from my home. Our celebrities are taking part from their own homes, and somehow through the magic of technology, it all worked. It was so much fun. We felt so connected. We laughed. We had a good time. We played some games, and we raised $150,000 for Red Nose Day thanks to uh, Facebook who provided the money. So Red Nose Day is a pretty big deal for us at HGN. We've done two specials dedicated to raising money for it, and we're really happy that we were able to do it in in these challenging times when it's needed more than ever. Well, it absolutely, and I think what you learned from this experience is how you know how to interact with people when they're not physically next to you i'm sure as a as a performer and a comedian you said to yourself you know what i like to be really close and up close now this whole digital we're not really next to each other but we are it takes time to get used to especially in performing wouldn't you agree and hosting oh absolutely absolutely and you know it just shows you don't have to be in each other's physical presence to benefit um, um, having somebody in your presence to, and we're so lucky that we have technology these days to make us less lonely and make us feel more a part of a community. So what celebrities are going to be on tomorrow night? Oh, we've been, the celebrity power is off the charts. We've got Kristen Bell, Nick Jonas, John Legend, Keenan Thompson, Sean Hayes, the creator of this uh, television series and my boss and Retta. And, uh, you know, they, everybody was wonderful. They allowed, uh, you know, their cameras, a camera to come into their home and they allowed a masked man or woman with gloves on to come and set it up. <laughs> and, uh, it worked out and everybody stayed safe and we all had a lot of funny and of fun. And of course we, uh, raised money for red nose day, which was probably the most important part. So that's what's happening now, Jane, is you're starting to see more and more better quality, uh, video for social distancing because at least a cameraman is coming into some people's homes now. Right. The, but just really practicing all those yeah, guidelines. Exactly. 
And of course, the important thing is to just not let up your guard on this. Really stick to those social distancing guidelines. They're not they're not as difficult as you would think. Staying six feet apart and wearing a mask and keeping your hands clean and having hand sanitizer with you at all times and for the most part staying in your home you'll be happy that they'll maybe the close talkers will be gone from you right jane that maybe we'll not see those people when you when you come back back in front of yeah, i was recognized with sunglasses and a mask and a hat on yesterday which i thought was pretty interesting Hey, you know, it, it is what it is. But again, the fa- without the fans, nothing. And it really, I think the, the process of getting to speak to others and, and online has helped as well, right? Jane, when you do use online Absolutely. communication, you're really connecting with your fans in a positive manner. Well, we need that positive hope through this tough time. I think also what it shows is that we're all in the same boat. We're all in quarantine, you know, it's, you're in quarantine, I'm in quarantine, and the people watching the show are in quarantine. So we're in the same boat, and it's a, a kind of a great unifying thing. And I think that, again, it's not bad to be. We learn different things, and I wish that we could come up with a plan as a, a nation to come up with a better plan for quarantine, especially if we're going back certain not putting ourselves in danger. Certain organizations have to come back to work. We understand that. But ultimately, just have the yeah. right proper measures in place. Yeah, well, we, we need to be we need to do it with um, great wisdom and with expertise. You know, allowing allowing the people who know what they're talking about to help guide that process. And I'm glad we have some really great people, you know, leading us and speaking out, um, like the Fauci's of the world. You know, thank God for them. And then the nice thing is the fans of Game Night get to enjoy it in so many ways and look at the whole process of Red Nose. What an unbelievable organization they are and how they're helping kids. I was just blown away to find yeah. out that some of these kids are getting COVID-19, which again, some places don't say this and that it's dangerous for everyone and we all have to really practice social distancing. We sure do. And, and I, you know, folks uh, can feel even more a part of our Hollywood Game Night episode by going to NBC.com slash HGN, and we have some questions that we'll be asking that they can answer in real time, uh, so they'll be part of the game, and also at-home versions of every game we're playing, so you can download those and have your own game night. Fantastic. May 12th, tomorrow, 10 p.m. Eastern. Check out Hollywood Game Night with Jane Lynch and s- some superstar celebrities. I appreciate you calling, and thanks for coming by. You bet. Thanks for Take having me. Take care. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. I am. There we go. We got somebody. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so in, introduce yourself. We are live on Facebook. Appreciate <sighs> you coming by, and then we'll go right into the questions, and then we'll start the show. We kind of been playing around, and we finally figured it out. And uh, thank you for joining us today. How are you yes, surviving you coronavirus? Hey, can you? Oh, okay. Here I am. Sorry about that, guys. Hey. Um. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, man, you know, I've just been at home all the time. I've been to the grocery store <laughs> once or twice, but uh. Man, we've just been trying to hold up as much as possible through all this. But I see your bandana on. It's looking good. (laughs) Yeah, so so introduce yourself because we didn't get the pronunciation of your name. He's a country music star. Ian, Ian. Ian Munsick, is that correct? Yes, All right, sir, so, so welcome to the Neil Haley's Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment. So, Dave, you did not research this guy, but he's a very, very good country music singer. Tell us how you became a, a country music singer. Tell us the whole yes. story about him. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I grew up in um, Wyoming, and my dad 
is a a fiddle player and he taught my two older brothers and I how to play from a young age. So we grew up in a family band and I moved to Nashville um, about eight <coughs> years ago to, to pursue it because living in Wyoming, you kind of hit your head pretty early because there's not a lot going on out there, but um, it taught me how to appreciate the cowboy lifestyle and how to uh, appreciate good country music. Very interesting. Very interesting. And it was it in your blood, you think? Ian, was oh, it in your yes. blood? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. At a very young age, I had it going on. And um, to my dad, you know, he just did a great job in surrounding us with good quality music. Hey, Ian, it's Dave. Uh, hey, at Dave. a very young age, you, you're already at a very young age. Like, <laughs> how old are you? <laughs> well, right now I'm 20 six years old but um yeah oh. i started when i was about eight years old you know by the time that i could walk and talk i was on stage with my dad so <laughs> well you look like you're 16 so what kind of country <laughs> music do you do uh, so yeah yeah it's so uh, many different kinds now it's not like the good old days where it was just classic country man amen brother i know <laughs> well so i kind of have a uh bluegrass flair to my music I love- um I- but again, I love traditional country music and just the lyrics of country music have always been what have spoken to me the most. But um, musically, I love um, f- fiddle and steel and the banjo. And I love to be in the studio to, uh, to spice it up a little bit just because, you know, we're able to do so much with technology nowadays but i always try to make it sound fresh you know who's who's your favorite uh, bluegrass artist that influenced you and and uh, kind of guided you along in your in your ways yeah i love ricky skaggs is is the man he's a beast but um tim o'brien and hot rise was a band that had a big influence on me growing up too and they're kind of like a uh bluegrass underground band but they're great man they uh they're they're amazing but Ricky Skaggs did a great job of crossovering you know he's I mean he's yeah. a killer artist great voice uh yeah he's the man awesome and yeah. so in that, in that process when did you know you were going to be a star what kind of <laughs> what, when well, was that day that that happened yeah well you never know if you're going to be a star or not but um you know I kind of had a feeling again you know um i've been playing on stage since i was about eight years old so i don't really remember having that like oh my gosh i, I want to be a star it was just kind of always always something that i did and just loved so you know that's just kind of what uh what led me to nashville and um you know just to waking up and making music every day is just to part of my life, you know? So, yeah, I don't know so if that's a question or not. So, but. 
So, so, so Dave, things are changing in the fact that you talked about how you were doing everything in Skype. This is a perfect theme till Ian joined us. Now he has an, a live event tonight again, and he could talk a little bit about that event and yeah. things like that. Cause we're kind of just jumping through things, but everything's changing. Everything is now online. Everything is crazy. We can't have audiences and th- things like that, but he's so you're talking about the, tonight uh... for an event. Yes. Go ahead, Dave. We're we talking about the concert series, um, uh, Heartstrings. Yes. Tell us about that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, the s- s- Southern recipe, small batch, a pork rind, a company is hosting a concert s- series. Um, it started on the Monday and it's going all the way through tonight where I'm going to be the artist. Um, and it is raising money for the Corona virus as well as the Nashville tornado that hit right before all this stuff happened, you know, cause, uh, you know, like it hit us hard and then <clears throat> people are unable to help because you can't be around people so there's you know to tons of debris still all over town from the tornado so the awesome people at at southern recipe are helping out a lot all while giving back to the to fans at home who are unable to attend these concerts at home a free live show from some of nashville's up and coming a country artist man so it's really awesome and i'm just yeah really really lucky to be included in the mix do do country do country music artists in general like pork rinds is that why they're involved (laughs) (laughs) yes yes so it is a huge demographic i don't know if you've heard uh good directions by Billy Currington, but as a munching on a pork rind when she pulled up. I mean, boom, there you go, right there, man, right there. And they they got to be hot, right? Yes. So they have the spicy ones. They have, man, but they really do have the best flavors of any of them. I used to hate them. I was very smart of them. Growing up until I had these ones, and they're great, man. They are, they are delicious. You 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 um can get as many as you want for sure in so many ways of the different yeah. flavors. But again, talking more about this concert, how is it performing for an online audience versus just it's almost like performing while record in a recording studio compared to how that audience gives you that energy. You're going to be performing in front of people all online because that's the way performers perform. Now, is that changed the way you prepare or the way you kind of engage with the audience? Totally. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know, it does, but I will say, you know, like ever since Instagram has come on, artists are always filming themselves on their phones to be able to post it online now so it's kind of that same element but you do kind of have have the um the uh energy just having 
people watching you live. So it is kind of like you are, you're still on stage, even though that there's no one there. It's, it's a really weird to mix, but um, you know, we're just trying to do the, the best that we can right now with, with all the, uh, you know, all the elements in there right now that we just can't get out on the road. Um, we're, we're still trying our best to bring live music uh, to, to the household, you know? You know, and that's so true. The thing that's happening, I've talked to comedians, I've talked to different people, online performing is what we do. Like uh, going to the bars on a Friday and Saturday night is gone. So tuning in tonight, uh, again, what time again tonight, Ian, people can tune in tonight. To- yes, it's 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and it's going to go for probably half hour is what they've been, but I'm just going to be on there playing some uh, music that uh, I've written some music that I haven't written that I wish that I had written. And uh, man, it's going to be a great time. It's on the Southern recipe Instagram that, uh, that it's, it's right on there just to type in their name. And it's the first one that comes out. Dave, that's the thing now. You know, you're doing all the television now. Everyone's just going to their platforms on social media to uh, promote themselves. Isn't that funny where things are going, Dave? For sure. Yeah. Um, the problem is it's slowed down the internet a lot because everybody's home on the internet. And, you know, I'm constantly calling my provider, uh, Spectrum, saying, hey, you know, what's going on? And so I guess that's why they want to get a 5G in here. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, uh, tell me about that hat you're wearing, King Ropes, uh, uh, Wyoming. Wyoming. Yes, sir. So that's in my hometown. That's uh, a uh, your Wyoming boy, huh? Company and a uh, Western apparel man. And I live, eat, sleep, and breathe Wyoming. Even though I'm in Nashville now, I still have so much pride from being from the Cowboy State. Man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good for you. Good for you. Yes, so again, sir. it's tonight. You're on tonight at eight uh, Eastern. Eastern time. Yeah. Uh, five o'clock on the West Coast here, which is where I am. Oh, and wow, how nice. can they tune in? You said through the, an Instagram account is the only place or are there other Inst- places tune in? Instagram live account is the only place. Um, so to be sure that you give those guys a follow and it's Southern recipe small batch. Those are the uh, those are the pork rind people. Yes, sir. The pork yes. rind people, man, the best. <laughs> rind on Earth. They are. See, Dave doesn't understand. They sponsor the Super Bowl, and they're they the best on so many, they, And they do a lot yeah, of great the work. They, I love. I should probably them. sell them at my gas station convenience store here. Yes, yep. they're yeah. they're 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 everywhere, man. They're they're even in Dayton, Wyoming. So if they're there, they're definitely in Cali or wow, really? Yeah, man, they're everywhere, everywhere. Now, Ian, what I'm impressed with you is specifically enough the accomplishments you've had as an artist so far. Tell our audience some of those accomplishments. Yeah, sure. Um, Let's see here. Uh, You know, I won um, Song of the Year at the Rocky Mountain Country Music Awards last year for my song "Horses Are." faster and um you know i uh, i just uh, partnered with george Strait's management a company a few months ago and um you know we're just trying to release as much 
music as possible for the awesome f- fans at home who who keep us rolling, man. So, uh, so those are a couple uh, accomplishments. But man, I I, uh, I definitely hope that the road ahead of me is longer than the road behind me you know <laughs> well it's just a great you're, you're just a baby you've got your whole <laughs> life ahead of you baby. and then i hope so i sure hope i so. used to be 26 you know <laughs> i believe it i believe it that's been a long time dave i'm 47 you don't want to see me i look like ted kaczynski right now with uh my beard <laughs> so i haven't shaved or anything so i won't go on live and but dave at least puts himself out there has the mask on shows you know how he's uh being out there but it's kind of funny that this whole live thing and we wanted to promote mm. this we wanted to tell it get get it out there but it will go out to syndication next week for sure i just uh <laughs> enjoy this whole banter back and forth but go ahead and Absolutely. sing for give us a little bit of a preview i, I guarantee yeah, that'll thanks. hit that'll hit, hit that'll hit the facebook going give us a All little right. preview <clears throat> come on here we go live dave music that's what we have to do i, I wasn't expecting go back to the, okay hey yeah hey, yeah don't get me in trouble with uh, all right go I'll on. give you a uh, hey i'll give you that billy currington a cover just because there's the a pork rinds in there. All right, it's fitting. okay. Sounds good. It's fitting. okay. And, I, and I'm just gonna do like a little bit of it. All right, perfect. I'm just gonna give them a taste because I gotta leave them wanting more. Y'all know that. Y'all know that. We know that. We know that. I was sitting there selling turnips on a flatbed truck, munching <laughs> on a pork rind when she pulled up. She had to be thinking this is where it next come from. She had Hollywood written on her license plate. She was lost <laughs> in looking for the interstate. Needing directions. Yeah, I was a man for the job. I told her way up yonder past the caution light. There's a little country store with an old gold sign. Gotta stop by and ask Miss Bell for some of her sweet tea. My mama gave her a big old glass. Sent her right back here, mate. Congrats. That was awesome. Everyone needs 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. We'll put it in again into the description area on the video. Okay. Everyone needs awesome. to see Thank Instagram you. live. Southern Recipe. I appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by, Ian, and best of luck. And where can we follow you on social media? Where's the I'll place? be eating some pork rinds too. Yeah, yeah what's sir, the- do it. Do it. Yeah, yeah man. So, so, so it's just Ian Amunsik on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, even, man. I'm everywhere. Oh, Just TikTok. My oh, name. my gosh. TikTok. Hey, when are you going to get a TikTok? TikTok? When are you going to get Oh, uh, y'all got to get a TikTok, man. All the kids are doing it. <laughs> we know, but you're trying to trend. You're on the right trend. <laughs> and that's the thing. Uh, we'll definitely see some big things from you. Congrats again on all your success, and good luck tonight. Hey, thank you guys okay. for having me on, man. All right, take care, guys. Stay safe. See ya. Okay, guys, that was the Neil Haley Show. A lot of fun, Dave. I told you we do everything crazy every week. Talk to you soon, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the 
Caregiver Dave celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? And uh, I, are you surviving? You're in your studio. I wanted to see you yep. with a mask on like last week, which was a lot of fun live. That was a lot of, oh, he's there got go. the mask. He, you know I what? Yeah, I always got to be ready. You know, we need to come up with fashionable masks here in PA. We're going to be just like you now. That as Starting the 19th, I will have to wear a mask. But I thought, you know, I'll just go get my wrestling hood and walk into the grocery <laughs> store with my yeah, any, wrestling mask. And guess what? It really isn't social distancing. You know, and, and banks would normally get freaked out when you come in with a mask on because you're going to rob them. Uh, but my bank isn't phased. But I did go to the gun shop, and they freaked out. They pulled their gun. They said, no mask, no mask. Did you, can't you read the sign on the door? No mask. Uh, yeah, because you, you only see the eyes. And it's scary, and especially when we're not using all surgical masks. We're using <laughs> gangster masks. Okay. Gangsta. So, so our topic today, which I'm very excited about, is involving caregiving in the coronavirus. How to take care of loved ones, but also not get burned out so you get coronavirus so there's two two things right one yep. is is you always teach caregivers that guess what if you're a caregiver if you burn out you're going to die before the person you're taking care of so in this situation not getting the proper rest stressing yourself out going to the grocery store getting this virus and then your immune system goes down you end up dying before your loved one so it's about protecting that person that you're caregiving so you don't pass that virus on to them, but also you don't get it, right? I couldn't have said it better myself, Neil. I should interview you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm yes, gonna, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. A lot of people don't realize, because I've been interviewing all over the country via Skype and Zoom now, places that I would not want to fly to and places that I have requested that uh, – now they're accepting me because they're desperate for Zoom guests and Skype guests because not everybody can do it. Not everybody likes it. They're unfamiliar with it, but not me. So I, I'm just busy doing what I'm doing, you know, and uh, now more than ever, because the more people that get infected with coronavirus, the more new caregivers are going to have to be recruited. And it's not easy to recruit a caregiver. There's already a shortage of them. So I teach caregivers how to prevent your loved one's illness or disease from actually killing you and now how to prevent the, the coronavirus from killing you. And that's big. I mean, because you really have to worry about this. And you're seeing it firsthand being at a certain age that could be a little bit vulnerable, but again, especially other loved ones that guess what? If that person taking care of, let's just say, is in their... 50s and or 60s and they have a loved one 70s 80s 90s then you're both in danger so you have to really right. watch out so i have a gas station i go to work almost every day now and uh you know we have uh all the precautions in california you can't go into a store without a mask we have masks we have a sneeze guard we've got sanitizer we've got um uh, the uh, Lysol spray, we're constantly sanitizing the store. We closed down the restrooms because too many sick people were coming in and they were stealing our toilet paper. And so it's really challenging. The sales are down 50%. The margins are up a little bit, but it's still not enough to make up for the loss. So we're selling masks. That helps. Uh, I don't know what else to do. You know, I don't want to come home and bring a, a germ to my wife. So I haven't hugged her in a couple of weeks. I haven't... Uh, kissed her or anything. I, I keep my distance because I could have the virus for two weeks and not know it. So it, that's stress in the back of your mind. And, and so we, we, 
every single year, everyone gets sick at the gas station. They get the flu. One gets it. Then the next one gets it. Because, you know, they're on the phone and the doorknobs and the, the buttons on the cash register. But so far, we're doing pretty good. And, and we're going to just shoot for zero tolerance, germs and viruses and bacteria and all of that stuff. So there's, there's three big things that caregivers can do because you want to keep your immune system strong and, and boost it because a compromised immune system makes you at, at risk to uh, coronavirus. And burned out caregivers, which AARP and uh, eldercare.com says that 30% of caregivers actually die before their loved ones do from the stress. And, um, also, 41% of caregivers are definitely burned out. I think the number is a lot higher than that. But that means they have a compromised immune system. So the first thing you got to do is put your needs first. Hello. You know, the airlines tell you in the event of an emergency, oxygen mask will fall. Put your mask on first before you help your loved one with their mask. What an amazing metaphor for all of life. Take care of you first, right? Well, the second biggest mistake caregivers make is they don't know how to ask for help. Now, everyone has one of these little black things. It's called a cell phone. You turn it on, exactly. you punch in the number, and you talk. Hello, mom. I need help. Grandma's driving me crazy. <laughs> you know, call your brother, call your sister, call your wife, sick husband, call anybody, but get over that silly notion. If you can't do this all by yourself, you're a failure as a caregiver. That attitude will kill you. Third biggest mistake caregivers make, they just let people pile guilt on them like they were stacking pancakes. It reminds me of that show about a caregiver caring for his elderly father in the junk business. You remember that show? Uh, Sanford oh, yeah. and Son. Well, we interviewed right? one of the stars from Sanford yeah, and Son. So, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Fred Sanford was notorious for always guilting his son, Lamont, and to doing all sorts of cockamamie harebrained schemes he had no business doing that wasn't in his best interest. And when something like this, oh, oh, this is a big one. No, son, really speaking with Elizabeth. I'm coming to meet you, honey. And Lamont would fall for that con every single time, and caregivers are the same way. You know, it's like being handcuffed to your loved one for the rest of your life in caregiver prison with no possibility of parole. That kind of guilt, my friend, will kill you. And if you could just stop doing those three things, you just greatly increased your rate of survival. Exactly. You probably won't die, and you probably won't be hospitalized. It's so true. And uh, if, when you wear yourself down, that's when you get sick. And now yeah. because of this virus could kill you. So what, so you're talking about taking care of yourself first. I mean, yeah. what happens? I mean, it's so stressful already to care give. How do you deal with it so that you make sure you figure out that you're not wearing yourself out? Well, I came up with a care formula. Like everyone likes acronyms. So my care C, communicate with your friends and don't isolate yourself. I mean, everyone has a friend that you used to go to the gym with, you used to go to a movie, or you used to go to lunch, do whatever with. Don't isolate those people. Those people, maybe you've noticed, have stopped calling. They've stopped coming around. You know why? Because you're complaining to them. Everything that happens that's bad and ugly and nasty, you're just saying, you know what my wife did today and this and that. Save those complaints for your support group. That's what they're for. Go to a support group. They'll complain to you. You complain to them. You vent. You get it off your chest. You feel good. Your friends, you want to uplift them. You want to say, hey, how are you doing? You know, I miss you. Why don't we go somewhere? Let's take it a movie or whatever. I'll get somebody to watch my loved one. Otherwise, those people are not going to call. They're not going to come around. Who wants to be around Debbie Downer? A, ask for help and be specific. A lot of people, believe it or not, turn down help. When somebody says, hey, you need anything? No, 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 I'm good, I'm good, you know. 
they don't want to be indebted or they don't want to put the other person out, whatever it is, ask them. Don't turn down help. You can't do this all by yourself. Make a list of everything you need because a lot of times they will, well, yeah, I don't know. I can't think right now, but I'll call you back. And they never call them back. So make your list down. It could be a very long list. Okay, I need this, I need this, I need this. And the next time somebody asks you, just say, hey, I got my list. Can you do that? Oh, no, how about this one? You know, and don't let them out. Don't let them off the hook. Uh, R, rest. Caregivers need eight hours rest every single night. The average caregiver only gets two or three. I can't survive on two or three. Can you? <laughs> well, E stands for eat healthy, nutritious food. Don't eat junk food. Junk food's got sugar, chemicals, processed ingredients. All that stuff will kill you. So that's what I would do. And that's why I wrote my book. It's my life to thrive and stay alive as a caregiver, you know? Well, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, you got to stay alive and you have to thrive. And I mean, it's, it's hard to be selfish. It really is. When you start building that service and serving others, it's really hard to be selfish. Well, you know, that's what I talked about in my Ted talk and at Harvard, when I shared the stage with Suzanne Summers, how to be selfish as a caregiver. And caregivers need to be selfish in order to survive because we always taught uh, selfish is a, is a dirty word. Your parents say, don't be selfish, always share this and that. But, you know, caregivers are so selfless. They're so far on one end of the spectrum of the pendulum that they have to be selfish in order to move that pendulum. Don't worry, they're not going to go too far because being too selfish is just as bad as being too selfless. So you've got to be selfish in order to survive. I wanted to call my book The Selfish Caregiver Publishers. No, no, you can't do that. That's negative. Nobody will buy it and this and that. But TED Talks, they actually embrace the idea. You know, They don't want me uh, you know, promoting me or my book or anything like that. They just want you to talk about a, an idea worth sharing. And they love the hook that caregivers need to be selfish in order to survive. So I give you permission. Be selfish. Do it. <laughs> that, that's tough so okay so now you're you're taking care of yourself what about the loved one you gotta be really nervous about that well you have to be wise during this time you know a lot of uh people on my facebook 37,000 uh fans come with special problems that are going on right now with coronavirus for example one of them said i have a loved one and she slipped and fell and she might have broken her hip, but I'm not sure. But there's no way I'm taking her to the ER because I know she'll get coronavirus if I do that. Hello, don't do that. I mean, if someone slipped and fell, take them to the ER, get an x-ray. Because the odds of neglecting that are greater than the odds of getting coronavirus at the ER. I mean, I had a, an employee who was uh, having a, a vomiting session. So I said, go to the ER. And he went there. And they tested him, and he was okay. But they noticed that, you know, they had these masks on it. They take a lot of precautions. You're not going to get, uh, you know, a coronavirus infection at the ER. They know what they're doing. They're professionals. So, uh, you know, don't be emotional in your decision-making. Uh, exactly. Be logical and have common sense. You got to have common sense and you have to think about, but I just really get concerned, especially in the caregiving process. You're staying away from your wife because again, she could be more yeah. susceptible than you are. But what about, I mean, are you staying social distancing where you're not even in the same room most of the time? That's got to be hard. No. <clears throat> no, I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is we're just, um, excuse me one second. <clears throat> little frog in my throat. Uh, don't worry. I don't have the virus. Uh, we are just um, not hugging, not kissing. We are in the same room. We don't drink out of the same cup. 
Um, you know, I guess we're taking some risks, but I'm also reducing the risk by having the masks at work and using sanitizer constantly. So, uh, you know, I think what you're saying, staying in different rooms, that would feel a little too much for me. And I don't think I want to do that. Now, am I taking a chance? Yeah, Yeah. probably. But I'm willing to risk that chance because I know that I'm being so careful in these other areas. And maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, everyone's different. There, you got some people out there, you can't even get them to wear a mask. We got people coming in the yes. gas station. Hey, you need a mask. Well, I don't have a mask. This is a one big conspiracy. You know, they're going on this big rant. I says, get outside. We'll take care of you at the window. You need a mask. And we got to literally kick them out because there's a lot of rebels out there, you know, who, who don't. Well, it's about to start, Dave. So be ready. It's going to be <laughs> uh, California. I know it's a nation state, but it's going to start. It's going to happen soon. I mean, and really, it's just, it's it's a scary time. And then I think the other part that both the loved one you're taking care of and yourself don't be fearful. Fearfulness will yeah, wear you fear down is too. a killer. Yeah, and you know, you see what's happening in Michigan. You you got uh, a, a rebel. Uh, who just said, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not going to follow the governor's uh, recommendations. And, and there's a whole movement now that's against the governor because, you know, people want their civil liberties. I mean, the, uh, the Constitution says we have the right to assemble. We have the right to bear arms. We have the right to come and go. I understand this is a pandemic, but gosh, it's been two, three weeks now. People are getting stir crazy. You know, a lot of, they're in the same room with someone maybe they don't even like and they're arguing and they're, you know, they're going crazy and the stress level is up. And like uh, Trump says, you know, maybe people, people are going to start committing suicide pretty soon or get depressed that they're out of work. And, and they're so fearful. You turn on the media and all they talk about is how bad things are, how many more people died and this and that. Where's the hope? You got to have hope. Got to keep hope. And it's, it's tough. It's tough. But again, best place people can go now. And if they're listening to this program or watching this program or wherever, Facebook, wherever, social media, uh, nationally syndicated show, where can people yeah. right now that there's a special offer? One-stop shopping, caregiverdave.com. I'm a caregiver. My name is Dave. You, you don't even have to put the .com. You just Google those two words and you'll, you'll get me. Caregiverdave.com, we're given three free gifts to get caregivers on track. Or if you're a caregiver that fell off track, it's going to get you back on track. So go there and click the free download button, and I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. We have a membership website there. It's our desire that you join the membership. Uh, It's very, very cheap. Uh, It costs less than an ER visit. And we're saving lives. We're keeping people out of the hospital. I came up with a number, $97. How much would it cost to have a caregiver uh, spend on themselves? They'll gladly spend $97 on their loved one, but how about spending it on themselves? Uh, Not $97 a year, not $97 a month. This is $97 for the rest of your life. Now, unless you're 97 years old, I I know that's not a long amount of time, but a lot of you are younger than that. So uh, it's a good investment. You get articles, blogs, videos. You get three three sessions, three 30-minute sessions of coaching with moi. And I am Dave the Caregiver's Caregiver. I have uh, Dave's Hammock Wisdom. That's my fourth book that I'm writing right now. So um, I guarantee that you will be a better caregiver. We want you to thrive, not just survive caregiving. Yes, for sure. Well, Dave, great talking to you next week. We continue. Well, again, we're sorry about good old Facebook not letting us go live today, but we'll share this all over different platforms. And it was fun to connect. And next week I'll be, I'll have my face on. 
So that's kind of funny. I'll have my face on as we're going to try to, who knows who we'll interview next week. And if we can figure out this bug of what's happened with the connectivity, who knows? It's just a crazy time now, but we'll see next week because things will, how they'll turn upside down next week. So take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Thanks, Neil. All right. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Media Network's Dr. Christopher Hall Show. I'm excited to welcome the program, Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Hall, how are you? You know, it's really interesting, again, the, you battling this, this battle uh, that's this invisible uh, enemy in the coronavirus, and we continue just to keep rolling, right? Keep rolling with social distancing and all we can, but you're on those front lines. You're totally right, Neil. And um, I know, like I said, the, the spirits of a lot of people are down because of this. And so I'm just so excited about our guest today. I think that will be very inspiring uh, for, for America and for the world that we have to uh, talk about today. All right. Introduce our guest. Well, no problem. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce an actress, a producer and writer, a model, talk show host. Someone I'm very excited to talk to today. I'd like to introduce Miss Victoria Bertuga. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Now, Victoria, how are you holding up with this? I know you're ready for the, for everything to open back up. It's got to be a challenge, especially as an actress, to, to you know, not, no auditions except virtual auditions, which is good, but mm-hmm. meaning just, just know that what you guys are just want to interact and get out about and there's really not a lot to do when you're stuck in home or even walking, but meaning not be able to, by practicing social distancing for this long. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, we, filmmaking is a very collaborative business. So um, it, it requires close contact with many other people. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely an adjustment for sure. There's a lot of unknowns too about what's going to happen to the industry going forward and how this will impact things kind of definitely short-term, but possibly long-term as well. What's been nice is there's been a lot of actually casting directors and talent agents and people just kind of doing a lot of free resources, free classes, uh, open calls, generals and stuff like that, just so we can kind of all have that opportunity to work that muscle and connect still, which is really nice. So it's really been cool to see the generosity of people and the creativity of people coming out in this kind of crazy time that we find ourselves in. Being creative is so important, Dr. Hall, and that's what actors are able to do is be creative, Dr. Hall, and that's where they're going to figure it out. I believe that the film and television business will figure this out before lots of America, Dr. Hall, about the, the new the new normal. I, I mean, I think you're totally right. And so, um, you know, we have a lot of time now and, and, uh, and, and new novel ways to present our, our creative side uh, is very important. Um, so... Yeah, you're totally right about that, Neil. All right, next first question for Victoria. Yeah, yeah with no problem. Well, you know, Victoria, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like uh, where you're from and um, how you got into the, the field of acting? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm mostly a California girl, born and mostly, born and mostly raised. Um, I had a stint in the UK when I was younger, but I mostly grew up in San Diego. And then I went to LA to go to USC for college and then stayed up in LA. Um, I kind of split my time now between there and Atlanta as well, because there's a very nice booming film and TV market in Atlanta. So, and I kind of, um, I've always been a performer. My family is, is full of, especially on my dad's side, full of zany creative types. We used to do talent shows every summer. 
where people would sing and conduct and do plays and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and then I just was performing in school plays and stuff all the way through high school. I danced as well as acted. And again, modeling kind of in college kind of fell into it. So yeah, just been kind of a lifelong performer. Um, when I graduated, I kind of resisted the the urge to have a full-time career as an artist because, you know, it poses many challenges. But um, so I worked in the music business, the business side of entertainment for about two years when I first graduated. And it was really good for me because it, it showed me that that was not what I wanted to do and that I just needed to go ahead and pursue what I really loved. So I'm really glad for that opportunity and that experience to kind of solidify myself and my choice to go forward and pursue what I really wanted to do. And when I think it did, what I think it really did for you is that you got to learn at least the other side of it. And you take a lot of that experience into what you do today from the experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I, mm-hmm. yeah. I think the more you know about anything, you know, the more you know about all the various components of your industry and your field, it, the better you are at whatever it is you're doing. You know, the more um, the more of a, of a generous collaborator you can be. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next question for Victoria, Dr. Hall. Wow, that's incredible. Well, you know, Victoria, um, I know you said you're from San Diego. Uh, and um, I actually went to high school right around where you went to school uh, for college. So tell us a little bit about your experience uh, at USC and um, how that influenced uh, you and what you're doing now. Yeah, I love USC. I mean, to me, it was so much of the quintessential college experience. You know, they have like all the sports and the football and the beautiful campus and the frats and sororities. And it's just so huge and massive and such a melting pot. And it's great because whatever you're into, whatever you're into, you can find it there. So I love my college experience. It's also great USC because they're very... They're very creative in their in the programs that they have. They they know that this is an entertainment based town, and so they have a lot of kind of unique and special uh, programs that are only exist there at a few other universities that are really focused on entertainment. So my major, for example, was music business, and I also had minors in theater. Obviously, there's tons of stuff to do with that. Um, they have like a vi- a video game minor. They have all kinds of cool things that are really kind of focused on entertainment. So that was really nice as well. Um, it made it really easy to get a job on the business side when I was graduating, and yeah, it was just a great a great college. Experience. I absolutely loved it. Um, I went during like the best football years ever too. So I was lucky. So we had a great time. <laughs> Our football team was very good. It was super fun. <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. And that's the, the cool thing about right. the, the creatives that are at USC, right? You learn so much absolutely. from, from just when in your former, you know, classmates learning from them and developing and surprising you didn't go for TV and film. So did you kind of interact with that major still, even though you were a different major in college? Oh, yeah, I definitely did. I actually worked in the film school for, like, my last three years on campus. Um, they had some really great great things for their students, too. They had some endowments that just provided, like, career counseling and stuff like that for their students. So, yeah, I definitely was obviously in a lot of films. You know, it's amazing, the, especially even more so now, since they have a Lucas. It's become the Lucas School, and they have even more programs um, and even more resources at their disposal. But, yeah, the, the quality of the films they're able to make because of the equipment they're given and the, the quality of the people teaching there are amazing. My writing coach that I use now is a teacher there still. Um, they have great, great programs. So, yeah, it's a fantastic film school. All right. Next call. Next question, Dr. All. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, uh, she's such a towering figure and just a great example for uh, these young people out here today. Um, and, you know, again, USC is a very competitive environment, um, but it appears that um, she was able to do very well. I mean, she graduated magna cum laude from that school. She's a little bit modest. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell us about that. I mean, how hard was it to um, just c- consistently achieve those high grades in a, in a place like USC. 
Yeah, well, I've, I've been a straight-A student pretty much my entire life. I actually skipped multiple grades in school, so I graduated high school very young and college young as well. Um, so that has been a thing that I've been very blessed with. I have a good work ethic, but that kind of comes very naturally to me. I'm kind of a very much a type A overachiever. So I had, like, I had a music business uh, major, and then I had a theater minor and a communications minor and a business minor. So I had many things on my plate, plus I was working, plus I was interning. So I love that, though, honestly, because it's so many things going on every day. is full of so many things, and... I love to be stimulated, so it was just, it was great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I've been a very good student my whole life, so I was able to apply those skills. See, that's, that's, uh, see, he does the good research. I wouldn't have known that. So there goes Dr. Hall and his research <laughs> sending you as a guest today to him and saying, by the way, well, I just ask interesting kind of whatever next question, but I'm pretty surprised and not surprised. And how many people are surprised when they know how intelligent you are? Or they learn more about you in your resume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those one of those things that's interesting. You know, when you look a certain way, I think people definitely have a lot of preconceived notions about you. Um, so people who don't know me but only know me maybe through my images or through my work, uh, I tend to have one idea of who I am. But then after about ten seconds of talking to me, they're like, Oh, okay, this is what's really going on. But yeah, I think when you're blonde, especially, you know, it's like, Oh, you're an idiot. But no, actually not. <laughs> now, see, I wasn't saying that. See, you're getting on me now. No, I wasn't saying that at all. I'm just saying an actress and you know how they. Uh, just think of things, especially when you see, just talk about that cat call, right? That cattle call of 10,000 people yeah. all looking like you. And then you audition for certain things and how you see them from everywhere. And then they learn about you and that speciality gets you the job, right? They don't want, because they're, they could find a hundred models, but it's the ones that could really work well that they hire, right? Yeah, there's definitely, I, I think, um, even myself, you know, casting the projects that I've produced, I think the, there's the one thing, which is the skill, you know, how good they are at what they're doing and how, how good they are for the role. And then the other aspect is kind of how are they to work with? How are they the person? And honestly, that has as much of an impact on your desire to work with somebody as the skill does. You know, if somebody's amazingly talented, but they're like, you know, they're, they're a mess. They can't show up on time. They're not together. or They're just a pain in the butt. You don't want to work with them no matter how amazing they are. So it's definitely the two pieces are very, very important. So in your casting process, then I'll get to the next question with Dr. Hall. How do you find that right person? I remember like I own a, a few businesses, but when I was hiring tutors, it was an interesting interview process. That's before I did so many ex uh, radio interviews that I've done. Now I interviewed so many people. You, I can't even keep track of all of them, but when I was interviewing, it's really hard to find the right people. Wouldn't you agree? Especially even in, in casting in that process for a, a for a role, especially something that you're really passionate about that you created. It's definitely a challenging process. And it's funny because I feel like as an actor, I can kind of see both sides of it. It's frustrating on two, in two ways. It's frustrating for casting because they're like, ah, oh, where is this person? And like, I know they're out there. I just want to find them. And then it's frustrating for actors who don't have the chance to get themselves seen where they're like, hi, I'm here. Come see me. <laughs> so it can be frustrating on both sides. Um, as far as casting goes for myself, I because it is it can be a very tedious, draining process, I definitely try to pull from the people I know as much as possible. So I'm fortunate, you know, to be an actor myself. And so I've met a ton of people on projects and class casting calls, all kinds of things. So if I know somebody who's going to be right, you know, I'll ask them to audition always. So the vast majority of people I end up casting are people that I already know. And then each time I have to cast roles for people I don't know, or don't have someone in mind for, then I keep those people in mind for the next time. 
So when when I'm looking at who to cast, it's like it's you know it's, it's how good are they for the role? What are they bringing to it? Are they are they hitting those moments? Are they getting the jokes? Are they like connecting with the material? And then like I mentioned, are, are they seeming like they're going to be cool to work with? Are they are they nice? Are they on time? Are they just seeming like they're a person that I would want on my set? Because sets are such an interesting environment, and any any bad apple can kind of taint the whole bunch. It can make it a very different experience. So you definitely want to be as as a person as a producer and as my project, I definitely want to be cognizant of who I'm bringing on board and making sure that they're going to be a positive addition to that set and that environment. All right, Dr. Hall, next question. Wow. I mean, that's just uh, um, really a great summary of, of uh, what she's saying. But you know what, Neil? I think that she would probably be successful in almost anything. I mean, I'm, I mean, I know she'd probably be a great doctor. I mean, she's got that type A personality. But the fact is this. Uh, you know, like like um, uh, Victoria, you know, they work so hard at their craft. Um, what are some of the things that you do, Victoria, to help you relax, uh, say, at the end of the day and when you get tired with a very difficult uh, project? Get them. Yeah. Yeah, relaxing is important. I will be the first to admit, I always say I, I, relaxing isn't very relaxing for me. I'm, I'm totally like a go person, but it's, it's extremely important to have that balance. So for me personally, one of the things that just is, is crucial for my routine is just exercise. I say I'm like a little terrier dog and I go crazy if I don't have my exercise. So I definitely have to make sure that that's a part of my routine and I'm able to do that even if I'm working long days, you know, I make, I make time to carve that out because I just feel so much better when that's happening. Um, and then just taking the time, sometimes just having a day, if you're able to, just to be like, this is a day that I'm having off. You know, I'm not answering emails. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to chill with my dogs and go on a walk and relax and, like, making space for that. Because I think the trap for people who are very type A like me and always going is to never take that time and just pause and relax and reset. And that is just as important. And that's so true. Wow. And and that's the hard part when it's your show and Victoria's one show which we'll talk about at one point she understands she tries to practice that but sometimes she can't so where do you think you got that personality just you go 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 who did you get it from I think I got it from both of my parents to be honest and my mom will tell you that I came out of the womb intense just everything is very intense. So uh, she's like, I was always happy unless I was hungry, and then I was then I was very grumpy, which is still true today. So yeah, I think I just it's just it's just a culmination of um, personalities. I, I definitely have that. I've always had it. So interesting that, and I wonder how clash because I'm very that kind of personality as well. How to kind of have those two personalities in the same room together? It's got to be maybe a challenge because you got two people just go 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 go. Do they get along? That's a question they have to ask Victoria. If if you know if you were a business partner of mine or some sort of thing, how would that mesh to you know just driven go 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 kind of people in the same room together? Yeah, well, actually, so my writing partner um, is very much go as well. So I think it's it's a matter of. Um, I think it can be great because you're you're pushing each other and you're holding each other accountable. Uh, so I think it's it's probably actually easier to have two go types than it would be to, to have two not go types maybe. Uh, just because you guys are both kind of on the same page and, and no moss is growing under you, right? You're always in the move, always looking for new things to do. So we actually work really well that way. Um, I think I think there's a difference too between being you know, just being a type A and wanting to go and wanting to do more and being someone who's like not open to feedback and not open to collaborating. So, so we, I think you have to be very open to feedback, open to collaborating, not precious with your yourself and your stuff and, and be willing to grow and improve. But yeah, we, it, you know, I think 
two, two type A types can make it happen. Maybe they just need to remind each other every once in a while to take a breath and slow down, take a day off. <laughs> and that's the entrepreneur mindset. That's the entrepreneur me that drives me every day to, to go to the next level and try to improve and become better. And sometimes we beat ourselves up for that reason. And Dr. Hall, that's probably why a lot of my clients, I want to get to that level. I want them to become that type A personality in certain aspects, especially in performance or different things by having them get out of their comfort zone. And that's an important thing in development and growth is getting out of your comfort zone, Dr. Hall. That's, that's very true. That's very true. And, and really, um, I think to be successful in this environment, I mean, that's what you have to do. So, Well, entertainment, anything promoting yourself in any way, selling you something, you have to learn how to get out of your comfort zone, even if you're not an extrovert and you're more of an introvert. So, you know, that's what it is. All right. Next question. Uh, No problem. So, you know, that kind of community, you know, we went to school at USC uh, there, uh, Victoria, that area, I think that's what Vermont and King Boulevard, maybe somewhere over there. It's really an area that I would describe as kind of an underserved area. Um, and um, and so what do you think so far as how can we use all this energy and drive, like people like myself, like yourself, to somehow influence that group of students there in, in those high schools right around there? I think Manuars, you've got those high schools. Sure. What, yeah. And, and it, yeah, what do you think? Just what kind of ideas do you think? Yeah, um, I think they actually do a fair amount of community outreach and stuff for high schools in those area and, and um, junior highs and, and elementary schools as well. But definitely, it's an underserved area for sure. I do a lot of animal welfare um, stuff as well, and I work in I work out of the South LA shelter, which is kind of a similar area with similar needs and problems. So I think I think it's it's coming from a place of understanding the community, not judging it, and meeting them where they are and providing those needs. So it's what where are we at now? How can we make the most impact? How can we get through to people? How can we, how can we understand what's happening and try to have some value adjustment happen so that you know education is important or, or caring for animals is important or all these kinds of things, despite what what else is going on in the big picture. So I think um, I think that is something that we in LA uh, can always strive to improve. It, it, we definitely have a lot of a lot of room for improvement in those areas. Um, but it's 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 amazing to do that kind of work and really see the impact happen and and when you can achieve that kind of stuff and reach out to people and make a difference and really get through it's, it's amazing and it's super powerful and very important it truly is and wow. when you get to help others and it's great that the school has that involvement and looks at those particular things in so many ways so what kind of do you do any charity you said you do the charity work with is animal welfare one of the major charities that you try to support some yeah, sort so of it? I'm with an organization yeah, I'm with an organization called Angel City Pitbulls. So we pull um, animals from the high kill shelters of LA, and we also do a ton of community outreach, primarily in the South LA community. That's where our shelter is. We're on um, Dagenham and Exposition um, in, in the Jefferson Park area, and we're out of actually what used to be the old South LA shelters. So we do a lot of low-cost uh, vet care, spay and neuter. We do a lot of free training for people, helping people keep their animals that want them but don't have the financial ability to do so. And really what you're doing is you're helping people. You know, you're helping animals and people by helping people and it's amazing because when people really want to do the right thing and they just don't know where to go or where to turn or what resources are available to them it's really amazing and empowering to be able to provide those resources and help them sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background speaking of dogs <laughs> your dogs are your babies it Why? sounds like yeah, right yeah 
I have three pimples myself, and sometimes they they like to have opinions. Oh about my it. gosh! Okay, okay, uh, that's that's a surprise to see. Okay, that's for another story. We'll we'll let I'll, I'll try that follow up question in there time. All right, Doctor, I might get to it later in this interview. But go ahead, Doctor Hall. The next question. Wow, that's just yeah, that's that's just incredible. So you know, and on that point, um, Victoria, tell us a little bit about. Um, Best Friends LA and No Kill LA. But let's, let's. 